Welcome to the Fair Chase Podcast. It's like, yeah, it's going to be physically it's hard, suck, but it's also like the best. Later on, that's the story you tell. I got a new strategy. It's, you just go kind of lick your finger a little bit like this. Aim high, play the wind. And then you aim high, you play the wind. It's a new aiming technique that I'm working on. You brought this up. Yeah. It's because you had target panic so bad. Yeah, I didn't have it so bad. Before we jump into this episode, we have to thank a few companies that make this show possible. First up, Vortex Optics. We run their binoculars, spotting scopes, and uh, a lot of their clothes in their Vortex wear line. Quality hoodies. sweaters and hoodies, t-shirts, hats. Yep. You uh, can save yourself 20% on that stuff. Buy. Ooh, it's a new code. The code TFC20. Check them out. Next up, Trophy Line. Trophy Line. No secret, we are saddle guys. We like to hunt in saddles, make the jokes if you want, but yep. they're super light, super effective, and we're big fans of Trophy Line. This year we're going to be running the Mission Platform or the EDP Platform, the EDP. depending, and uh, running the Covert Light. Yeah, nice and light saddle. Lots of good adjustability on that. I feel comfortable walking with that thing out in the woods. Go yep. check this thing out. Use the code TFC10 to save yourself 10% on the next purchase. Next up, Prime. The bow that got me to switch back. I think I feel like I got you to switch back. You did, but but I like. But it was it's a big because part. of Prime shootability, shooting your bow, their accuracy. Uh, we're big fans of Prime. They're Michigan company. Jared's shooting the Nexus Four. Four. I'm shooting the Nexus Two this year. Go check them out. G5Prime.com. We uh, we're big GPS map users on our phone. Um, I get tend to get lost a lot, and Jared you do tend to get lost. A lot. Jared can't always be next to me. When you don't have Jared with you, you can have a little Jared in your pocket. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> this is an awesome platform. We know the guys. They're local here in Grand Rapids. And you can actually download other apps, stand locations, plot locations, whatever pins that you have, you can download them onto the HuntWise platform. So you're not, you can, give you it just, a try. You can just hit the ground. And you're not losing your research. Yeah. So go check this app out, HuntWise.com. You know, I was actually asked this weekend if we weren't partnered with Vector and like I had to shoot a different arrow would I shoot vectors? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I said, yes, of course. Yeah. I love them. I shoot extremely accurate with them. I've never broken one. Yeah. And the sweet thing was is you pretty much just tell Isaac and the guys over there your draw length, draw weight, and I think your tip weight. Your tip weight, and they have a – And then you customize the whole thing. And you they can do it right tip, online. cut, and everything. You don't have to mess with the bow shop or anything like that. Check these guys out, vectorcustomshop.com. For 10% off your order at checkout, use TFC10. Good luck out there. Shoot straight. Before we like dive into what we're here to do, uh, Bo, you want to just introduce who you are, what you do, um, and kind of like your thing. Yeah. So my, like you said, my name is Bo Martonic. I run the East meets West hunt podcast and YouTube channel and do outdoor writing, kind of anything that is revolves around, uh, creating content in the, the hunting space. But my main focus is I'm from Pennsylvania. I've hunted the, the big woods Appalachian region of Pennsylvania. So focus on whitetail hunting, um, hunting in the big woods, which is what I've grown up doing. My family's grown up doing forever. And then also on kind of adventure style hunts, you know, Rocky mountain elk hunting, caribou hunting, in Alaska, that type of thing. Like I always have like, you know, one hunt a year that I just really want to do that's just kind of full-on adventure camping out in the middle of nowhere and i my goal with the podcast and stuff is to be able to show people that you don't need to have a lot of money or anything it just takes some planning and you can make some of these dream hunts happen for yourself um and then also just again the, the all around the the big woods whitetail hunting which is probably uh it's definitely kind of my niche 
Yeah, lo- love the big wood stuff. I mean, you're a PA guy, Michigan guy. We have very similar hunting cultures, different topography, very different. Uh, you're yeah. talking mountains. I'm, I'm more looking at swamps uh, where we're at, you know, cedar thickets and whatnot. Um, but, you know, I always like to have a PA guy, guy on. I feel like we have a lot of them just because, like like I said, lots of hunters there. Uh, just like there are lots of hunters here, which is cool. Yeah, we uh, we were just talking about it at camp the other day that uh, about Michigan people or and Pennsylvania people like we can get along the exact same like you, you start you pick up a conversation like it's somebody from your hometown, even though that they're out of Michigan or whatever, because it's just like a very similar culture, hunting yeah. culture and uh, everything. So I always I always tend to uh, talk to a bunch of people from Michigan, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so Bo, we know who you are. Uh, two questions to even get to know you more. Uh, first is, so, uh, you know, you talk about adventure hunting, you talk about hunting the big woods, but in a year, if you had to pick like one hunt that you, if you could do, only could do one, uh, what hunt would you pick? What do you look forward to most in the year? What's your like one hunt of the year? Honestly, it's, uh, it's Pennsylvania whitetail hunting. It's the thing I've done the most and I just love it because it's the thing that, I spend the most time year round preparing for, and I feel like that that's, that's my time that I love being in the woods. I love going out West. I love chasing elk. An, a close second is hunting down in West Virginia, spot and stock whitetails in the coal mines. Like that is an absolute blast. But if I had to pick one, uh, to, to continue to do, it would just be hunting, uh, the, the whitetails in my home state. I love the deer camp vibe of it and my whole family being involved in it and and doing that like that's that's my number one hunt every year now love it love it um all right now next question uh and this is you know this is some some serious controversy here uh you know there's a a growing trend of people hunting in solids so solids meaning not camouflage, not your traditional camouflage, maybe earth tones or whatever. So we get a, this question asked a lot of us. Uh, and so I have decided to turn it to our guests, uh, you know, camo or solids, I guess is the simple way to put it, but maybe more, uh, like a more in-depth way would think a bit about it would be like, how important is camouflage? Are solids acceptable? Do they detract from success? What's your, what's your take on it? Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to give a little bit of a complicated answer to this one, but I, I could go, I go either way on that. Like, I think, I think you can be just as successful wearing solids and I do wear solids quite a bit. Uh, but I also feel there's certain situations that I feel more confident in camo and the reason for it is just breaking up my outline, you know, being able to help with maybe a little bit of movement that I didn't anticipate those types of things just give me more confidence. And for me, if I have that confidence, then I don't know. I I'm a huge believer in confidence when it comes to success, whether that's realistic as far as whether I would be successful or not, I'm not sure. But when it comes down to the confidence aspect, but for me, I I think even more important than just camo, it, it, the camo versus solid thing is, is like, I, I like to wear face paint a little bit. Like I like to put some underneath my eyes just to like break up my skin as it's look, they're looking up, you know, whether that's, using a, a green face mask or which I don't really love face mask for archery hunting. It just feels weird with my release. So I, I like to, that's why I like to use face paint for that. Um, that's, that's one thing that, you know, now for species like elk, uh, I don't think it's as important. And in my opinion, the, the, the camouflage, it's just, 
their vision isn't as good but for deer i don't hunt very high off the ground a lot of times i'm only 12 feet in a tree i like just having i like being a little bit more concealed um if possible and and breaking up my my outline with that so that's that's just to give a little bit more of an edge there but do i think it's the end all be all absolutely not 12 feet i can respect that I'm i'm a low hunter myself i'll go high on occasion yeah uh especially rifle i'll sometimes get up there to see more but like i bow hunt pretty low i'm a i'm maybe three sticks and i've got this like combination stick platform uh, yeah that would get me up and that that seems to be just fine yeah and i i don't have like the longest legs i'm only five foot ten so i'm not like this large guy so four sticks that are you know only you know 16 18 inch sticks i, I don't get that high and right. uh and but i just find trees that have cover now the where i'll throw a difference in that is if if I'm hunting like mature stand of trees, then I'm going to try to get higher because yeah. there's not as much cover around. There's not enough branches. Um, so at that point, and even like late season, I try to get a little bit higher because there's not as much cover leaves in the trees. So, but yeah, I, I like, I like hunting low. I like, I don't like steep shot angles, um, which already in the, in the mountains, like it's sometimes you're, you might only be 10 feet in a tree, but you got 30 feet off the one side and you're at eye level on the other side. So it's like, uh, it's, it's, it's different. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, all right, let's dive into the, the important issue at hand here. And that's hunting stories. Uh, uh, like I told you before the podcast, we're in this, uh, hunting stories series. Uh, and and it's basically, we're having guests from all over the country, uh, that do all sorts of hunting, um, share a hunting story. So when I say hunting story, uh, it's like, what comes to mind when you think like, that's, that's something that I've lived, um, that just is what hunting is to me. And so some people have just shared moments of like great success, others failure, other, others kind of somewhere in between, uh, we've done bears and, and, uh, moose hunts and, and everything else. Um, and I know you do a bunch, like you said, I've seen your, I followed you on the, um, when you did the uh, caribou hunt or when you went to randomly to New York and shot a buck, your first, you know, right out there, which is pretty cool. Uh, but what comes to mind for you when you think like a great hunting story that you've been able to be a part of? Yeah. So I, I, I would say, you know, although, you know, as you said, been to Alaska and been to some of these places, one of the, the my favorite hunting stories that comes to mind is a story from 2020. Uh, it was during gun season in Pennsylvania. I didn't fill my archery tag and i had joined the orange army out with everybody and it was like after the first weekend and everything and kind of struggling to to find deer and find bucks and we were sitting at hunting camp and one of my good buddies johnny stewart was there and my dad and everything and we're talking and johnny just looks at me he was like why are we he's like why are we both struggling kind of going out in these different spots and hunting's like why don't we just hunt together and have fun with it and and my dad's like yeah i'll come with you guys and like let's just do it so we went to one of johnny's areas and we noticed there was so much hunting pressure coming in from the top so we went started going down on these side hills and what we would do is is basically go down and set up on the edge of some of this thick cover and my dad would go and wind bump the mm-hmm. the deer and come from the other side and we went to a couple different spots and and some places that uh that johnny knew really well and you know it was fun just getting to hunt with him who's someone i look up to really him and my dad i look up to greatly as hunters and i learned a lot and getting to be in a position where my dad came across this hillside and wind bumped this buck that came out and i shot him at 
18 yards with my rifle. So <laughs> in bow range, you know, I shot this buck and he, he ended up being my biggest buck, uh, to date so far. Um, just a big mountain buck, eight and a half year old, uh, 155 inch nine point, And he was just incredible. But the fact that I got to do that and I saw, you know, my dad running through the woods, like, you know, with joy <laughs> and then Johnny coming off the hill and, and like, you know, him being a huge part in why, why I was successful. It wasn't anything I did on that yeah. specific occasion. It was just being a part of that. And then the fact that we were like, okay, we have two options on how to get this deer out. And, uh, so we go back up where the trucks are. And I was like, yeah, I go, I have my frame pack here. We'll cut them up and take them out. And Johnny's kept trying to convince me. He's like, no, he's like, we're going to have this, this deer hanging back at camp. You know, this is something special. Like we don't want just the head and the, you know, the meat being in the cooler. He's like, let's, <clears throat> let's get it back. I was like, all right, well, you know, dragging up over this hill isn't going to be fun. He's like, well, I think we can go down and cross this, this Creek down at the bottom. And I'm like, I was like, I remember going across there with you before scouting and it was like a river and he's right. like, yeah, you'll be fine. He's like, me and your dad will take the truck around. It's going to take them like an hour to drive around and, uh, you drag it down. We'll meet you at the water. And I was like, okay. So I get down there and this, <laughs> this crick was not a crick. It was a river that was literally, you know, I don't know, hundred yards, 80 yards wide and, uh, deep. And I had a pair of, um, uh, hip waders in my truck that I told Johnny just to put on. I said, I'll go through the water. And I, but the river was flowing so fast that I tied my buck to my belt loop with paracord because Old. I said, if, if this goes down, I'm going down with it. Like I'm not losing this deer. <laughs> you don't have uh, dependence, was, right? You're fine. Right? No, 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 I don't have any kids. So I was like, you know what, this is, and you know, if I go down that way, that's a pretty epic story, I would say. <laughs> and so <laughs> against better judgment, that's what I did. And, uh, uh, pulled it across and got it up the bank. We had a steep bank to get it up to the road and, and we got it up to the, the road there and kind of hid down over the bank, make sure no traffic was coming. So no one saw us dragging this big deer out and then, you know, took it through it in the back. And we were just like, just so pumped and went back to, went back to camp. I, I took a shower and, and, uh, dried off, basically gotten some dry clothes and, all my entire family, all friends, everything just came to camp and told the story, you know, 30 times over, you know, each time getting a little bit more exaggerated, you know, like sure, a good course, hunting story you is, yeah. um, you know, you know, first, the at first, the river was like, you know, you could step across it by the end of it, you know, I'm swimming across it <laughs> and the sharks no. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it, it was just like, it was just the picture perfect, like just Cause a lot of times for me, I feel like deer hunting is like a very solo endeavor and yeah. you can take it very serious, which is fun. Like, I love that aspect of it, but I also love the camaraderie of deer camp and, you know, being able to be with my dad and, you know, one of my best friends and hunting uh, buddies, Johnny, like that made that story that made it one of my favorite ones and yeah. favorite days that I remember, um, you know, and also something that. I never really loved hunting rifle season. Not, not as much about the weapon choice as much as like the amount of people that were out. Yeah. Like I felt like it was difficult to hunt deer the way deer are and stuff. But I like, once I kind of changed my mindset of just like, okay, this is going to going to be different than how you are a tree hunt and, you know, use those, use that pressure to your advantage, use those things and, and be able to do that. I've, I've actually come to enjoy, uh, 
rifle hunting when I, when I get the opportunity to. So it was, um, it was just one of those experiences that after a long season of kind of struggling to, to get an opportunity, it ended up all working out. Well, we talk about that quite a bit. Like you, the mindset you have, uh, is huge for how you hunt. We always talk about like being like mobile or flexible with uh, what you do. And like, I, I would assume even just deciding, uh, to hunt right with your rifle differently because there are so many people in the woods, like requires you to be like more flexible or more mobile minded, just so you can change what you have been doing to kind of meet the current reality that you're in. Yeah. Yeah, no, most definitely. And, and I, I think that that mindset shift is just such, I think we all can control it. It's up to us whether we want to, to, to make yeah. the most of it and not, you know, dwell on the fact that there's so many people in the woods, you know, you're from Michigan, you understand what <laughs> oh, yeah. gun, gun, gun season looks like. Uh, it's the same way in Pennsylvania. And, and I, I, I definitely shifted my mindset with it there and had fun with it. And it was difficult to leave like my own areas and go somewhere else that I've put so much work into. And, you know, I'm like, I, you, you almost have this, like, it's, it's 100% ego that you get in your head of like, okay, I know I, I should be able to figure this out on my own. I should be able to to do this. And, 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 uh, when you kind of let that go, sometimes you can have some awesome stories, obviously. And, and I, I learned a lot from that hunt. Yeah. That's a huge, that's a huge deal. Uh, I got a question going back. You you meant, you mentioned that you're, you're kind of set up and your dad is wind bumping. So when this buck got bumped up, like, how did that go? So what happened was the side hill. So like the, the tops, a lot of it was cut. Um, and then the side hills are mostly mature oak cherry stands and everything that kind of went around with some bench systems. But off this point, there was a section of hemlocks and, you know, and, and Johnny had some cameras there and he knew about this buck. It was actually a buck that he found three years prior, uh, that he looked at a trail camera. He put an SD card in at my dad's house. And we, that's the first time he ever saw that buck and what made him hunt in there. And then he had pictures of him in early October, never seen him since. He's like, but that deer has to live there. He's like, yeah. it has everything he needs. And he's just not, you know, going in front of my cameras. So basically we set up right on the outside of that thick cover. I didn't want to set up in, in, uh, in the very wide open woods. Cause what I've come to learn about, you know, everybody, not everybody, but I'd say the majority of people in Pennsylvania during gun season put on deer drives and they'll bring 10 yep. people and, you know, sweep these side hills. Well, these bucks have learned to either lay flat and not move, or they'll get up and they'll circle back and they don't like going out in the middle of the open woods. They're going to figure out a way to stay in that thick cover. So that's why I got so close to that edge was to, you know, hoping that if you bump something out, that it might come out a little bit and look and see it open woods and maybe tuck back in and try to circle around, you know, with only being one person coming through um, and just using scent to do it. He wasn't yelling or making any noise from that standpoint, just kind of slowly working his way through there, zigzagging. And my dad said he heard the, he heard the buck get up. Um, and, and it was pretty close to him before it got up. You know, I wasn't that far away from him when I shot and that, and that deer came out and he came out creeping. I just, I was just peering into that hemlocks and I caught a glimpse of antler. And that was the first thing that I saw. And it was only 30 yards at that point. And then I saw a little more and I'm like, okay, this is a big deer. And I got my rifle ready. And, uh, as soon as he kind of stepped out, he was looking back from where my dad was coming from when I shot him. Funny. And the, yeah. And that's a good point. I've seen that too, where deer know that they, 
they know what a drive is, right? Especially yeah. old, if it's eight years old, he's seen that many times. And we've seen him like crawl, like bucks crawl, kind of on their bellies crawling or like lay yep. with their head real low. Um, does even will do that. So it's like, you, you, like I, I like what you say where you kind of get up where, not where you hope they go, because obviously you want them to go in the big open space. You can yeah. see hundreds of yards, but like if you're a buck, like that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Any rifle hunter would love to have, you know, this big wide open spot and a buck come out at, you know, hundred yards is like a pretty great yep. distance to be at, you know, sub 20 was a little bit scary even to be in that close. <laughs> so as far as like, you know, it kind of filled up my whole scope, um, right. when I, when I pulled it up and, and, but that's, that's how, how I could have ever dreamt that up. And like, also an important thing was our setups were, not on these big giant benches we found like these little tiny terrain features that were just a, a kind of on a side hill but a tiny little flat spot that don't even show up early on a map yep. that you could you could sit on and i'm like if i was a you know thinking of a big deer in survival if i was to come out into this this is where i would want to run because i had originally set up just above there and i realized that was a that little spot was a blind spot for me and a deer could sneak right oh, through sure. underneath underneath that shelf and i couldn't see them so that's why i moved down at the last minute um kind of when we were getting set up to to readjust and and it just it just so happened to to work out and it could have just as easily came out to johnny just above on he was set up on a similar type thing right over the crest of the hill and i was just down lower but one also one another point in that that we noticed was that area only had acorns down low versus up high so that buck was bedded down lower on the hill than he might be on a, a year where the acorn crop was higher or sure. in a different different situation you know so finding them on acorn that's you know everybody calls it the lull but i, I think a lot of it has to do with the acorns and, and finding yeah. finding them because you know and, and we talked like ad nauseum about this but you know, having a deer go from, you know, very standard feeding patterns where they're feeding in fields and whatever else and moving to, you know, middle of October, they get pressured, they go find oak trees. That can be tough. So knowing that they were oak uh, acorns low uh, is, is a huge deal uh, that I think a lot of people don't even think about. They just assume, oh, deer, deer aren't moving right now. People are hunting. Uh, so they just lay low, but it's like they have to eat every few hours. So they just are going to yeah. go where there there's going to be food and they also have cover. Yeah. You're, yeah. You're exactly right. And, and that's so much easier said than done. Like this year <laughs> I'm struggling with that. Like I, I'm 100% struggling. I was hunting out of state until October the 12th and just starting to get scouting again for the first yep. time since summer. And that's like, I haven't been able to get a beat on a buck that I wanted to hunt. And it's, it's even though I know they're there, it's just trying to figure out that micro location and this, you know, big area where they're at, it's not easy. And it's, it, it definitely takes a little bit of, uh, well, a lot of work and, and, uh, a little bit of luck sprinkled in there too, to, to oh, be yeah. able to find them, you know, and just, that's, that's it. Yeah. To stumble. Like, I, I feel like a lot of times I stumble upon the spot that ends up having all the acorns and stuff. Cause I had the same yeah. thing. We were out of state for the first part of the, uh, the season got into season and actually did get into this really nice buck that I've been watching, uh, in the summer. And I had posted this on, on Instagram and TikTok, but I'm getting all ready. Right. I got my, I'm, I'm, I'm all ready. He's he, I didn't expect him to come what, where he was coming from or as fast. And he's, I'm actually hunting in a spot near me. Uh, I don't want to give too much information, but I'm close to the road, like close to a, a, a actually like a service road where I'm like yards off the road. 
uh, and people go past it. And I have just seen probably five, six bucks that I would shoot and probably three of them are in the one forties or above, which for public land and in Michigan is like, that's yeah. sweet. That's huge. Uh, so I'm like, Holy cow. So I look, he's coming and I'm getting ready and I don't know how I did it, but I bumped my trigger before I even drew. And so it goes dunk, and the arrow just kind of goes just like mm. an inch off and just hits every branch on the way down. He takes oh. off. Um, so I, of course I posted it because, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to hide all the mistakes that I make. Uh, and yep. t- uh, TikTok, especially, you know, those people are mean. Uh, they, they, oh my gosh. They're mean. They say mean things. They were, yeah. they were brutal about somehow the color of my shirt. They thought was blue that, uh, you know, I must be hunting a spike because look how stupid I am. just like, and I'm cracking up because the more they do it, they don't realize for me, that's just engagement. And, you know, if you're on social media, yeah. you kind of want engagement. Yeah. Uh, and so the, I'm watching the views go up and also the mean comments go up. So, um, so, but after that, um, I've had the same thing. I'm, I'm trying to get a bead back on a buck and I'll have bucks kind of show up in areas randomly. Uh, but not consistently yet. Um, but like we were talking about it, I think the pre-rut is starting, just starting here. Um, starting to see younger bucks cruising around at, at weird times, uh, going opposite directions than they usually do. Um, yep. Scrapes are opening up um, and, and a lot more sign is being left, which is awesome. Um, I got to ask though about your, your hunting story. You said 18 yards. What was the uh, caliber? What kind of rifle were you shooting hmm. at it? 300 win mag of course I, actually that's so he, he blew up when you hit him right yeah he blew oh, i mean yeah. i'm assuming he didn't go anywhere oh no he actually did he mule kicked up and uh and i had another shot in him in about three seconds which didn't need to happen but i was not i was making sure that he was going down like after i knew that the first shot was it was basically his frontal and yeah. that's where i put it through him and then the second shot was was it was perfect too, but it was just, uh, yeah, he actually went, he actually moved a good 10 yards, um, before I got that other shot in him, which surprised me. I thought he would have just like, yeah, with that caliber, uh, of gun, um, it's, you know, some may say a little overkill for deer, but I, uh, I, I know when that usually when you shoot them with that, they're, they're going to go down. So <laughs> that's what I've been, I've been hunting with that lately. Um, but I asked because, and I'm not sure if this is the true for you, but growing up being from Michigan, the, the lever action 30, 30 was like <clears throat> the premier, right? That's, that's what everybody had. Um, and I had the over under s- scope with the open sights cause we do drives or whatever. And I, most of the time use the iron sights cause they come in close and they're kind of moving. Um, so I, f- I didn't know if that is, does PA have kind of the same kind of like idea, like the right, uh, the lever action 30, 30 type type thing. Yeah. So there's, there's a mix of people. It's either the lever action 30, 30, or it's a 30 odd six or 700 or a seven mm Remington mag. Those are like the, probably the most popular calibers. Um, up until that year I had used a 270 Winchester short mag, which I liked that gun a lot. Um, it didn't do as well in brush. And that was my thing where I'm like, when you're hunting in some of these thick areas, it's a fast shooting gun, flat shooting gun. Just it, uh, I had more confidence in that 300 wind mag when you get into some thicker areas. So yeah, a lot more power behind it. That's yeah. Uh, shot a coyote with one last year. It, uh, I actually shot him like top of the head. So I have the pelt that turned out great. Cause it kind of blew out the bottom, but like any other shot on one would just, that's a big gun for, for an animal. Yeah. That size. Oh, a hundred percent is. Um, yeah. 
Okay. So, you know, looking back, and you mentioned some things that you've learned from that hunt, but like, if you had to take like one takeaway, uh, one thing that you learned from this, you know, awesome time with Johnny and your dad out in the woods, shooting your biggest buck uh, with a rifle on the side of a mountain, like what was the biggest takeaway, the thing you learned? The biggest thing I learned, I'll say like tactically would be the, the aspect of there's the D just because there's hunting pressure, the deer have to live somewhere. So it's like, take a look at, you know, whether that we did it not on purpose, but from driving around and people being in all the spots we wanted to go to, um, learned that people were on the tops and that's where the access was. So these deer, I mean, obviously for deer to get that old, they're going through this every year. So where are the people not at, which happen to be the side Hills cause they're steep and nobody likes walking them. I don't love walking them, but that's where the deer were. And, and it just really came to me is like, when you get into situations with pressure, figure out how the deer are avoiding them. Think kind of like what the deer would need to do and how they're avoiding them and, and, uh, use that to your advantage. And I think that's where this situation was definitely, was definitely that case. Yeah, and and no, also yeah. it took, it took four spots before we saw a single deer, you know, and it's sure. just like, keep, keep, keep moving. That's a question I get a lot is on social media is people like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm going through these things. I'm looking up, you know, I'm trying to find these safe buck bedding areas or whatever. And I'm checking these ideal spots that are not there. Like, what, what, what should I do? And I'm like, just keep checking more spots. Yeah. Like, I believe me, I do not find, even if as much time as I've spent, scouting and e-scouting and hunting in these areas i am not right that not much it's just i continually you know keep going and trying more spots and eventually you'll find you'll find something and uh and it's just continually kind of not giving up and and going through it so at the end of the day it is a numbers game like yeah people obviously you don't want to go to the same spot every time right because you will blow up that spot and like you know, that's, that's not ideal, but at this, you know, on the other hand, it's like, well, just get out there, being out there, giving yourself opportunities, no matter where you are is huge. Um, and you said something else interesting about playing off human pressure, right? Like where do people go? Okay. Well, where then, where would, the, where else would the deer go? We, we've talked about it. Like, think of it like, a. Uh, a piece of paper with you drop an ink blot on it and it kind of drops and spreads. Well, imagine each ink blot drop as a hunter and then think about that on a map and then kind of look, all right, well, where are all the people hunting and what, where is the ink not touching? Um, and that's, that's how we've kind of come up with, you know, I'm telling you uh, on this, this spot right next to the road, also I'm realizing I'm like, no one goes here. This is uh, the easiest spot to access um, and people, and it's a strip of land uh, between two areas. And I've, I can't even say more than that. Cause I've had people, yeah, write in and they're, they're kind of close to what, the place I've been. So I'm not even going to say it, but like, it's a skinny strip of timber thick. Um, but it's easy to get, but again, like I said, it's just people walk by it. People drive by it. People don't even pay attention to it. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's, that's been those two things that you brought up have been huge things that we've kind of slowly been learning. And it's hard to learn because it's like, I haven't seen deer in weeks or, or days, uh, so I'm just, you know, I'm going to give it some time. Well, no, go get out and keep looking for where the deer are in new places. Get, get mobile, yeah. get flexible. Yeah. And, and also too, like, just like, so I, I, I talk a lot about logging cuts, which are great because they offer cover and, and food. But 
when it comes to time when a lot of people are in the woods, that's going to attract the most hunters. Yeah. Um, one, because most of the logging cuts are located close to roads or have easy access roads to get to them. And that's where I've found that most of the people are putting their drives on. They're doing, unless you find one that's pretty remote, which is rare, that that's an area I don't really want to focus on as much because those deer don't feel as safe as they do during archery season when you might have one guy going into one or a couple guys, you know, just going in and sitting in a tree. Yeah. You know, it's a lot less pressure than when you have people walking around and, and, you know, doing yeah. their, the gun season thing. And, and I think that was something that I had to, I had to change my framework on how I look at things from an archery hunting standpoint to rifle season. And I think that helped out, uh, helped out quite a bit in that situation. No, that's great stuff. Well, we're coming up on time here and Bo, I know you write, you do videos, you do uh, Instagram stories, you do an awesome podcast, lots of great information uh, coming out. And so everybody who's listening, highly, highly, highly recommend um, following Bo um, and just kind of seeing what you're up to. But Bo, for people who might not know uh, where to find you, like what's the best way to get in touch of with everything that you're putting out? Yeah. So I would say just my website, eastmeetswesthunt.com has links to just about everything there, but I'm most active. The podcast is my main thing. So anywhere you listen to podcasts, um, East meets West hunt. And then YouTube is just under my personal name, Bo Martonic, uh, and social media. If you search either my name or East meets West, you'll, you should be able to find it wherever you like to take in content, I guess, from that standpoint. Wonderful. Well, Hey, thanks again for coming on. Everybody go check them out. Yeah, thank you. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode. We really do appreciate it. If you want to go on to any kind of social media platform, give us a like, share, subscribe. You know, it really helps us out. keeps the train rolling. And if you guys really like what you're listening here, give us a five-star Either way, if, even if you don't like it. Even if you don't like review. it, five stars. That'd helps cool. everyone out. We'll see you out there.